Good morning, good morning, Rabotai. Breakfast today is sponsored by uh, David Sitt in a memory of Mazal Hayabat Adela Ruach Hashem Tenichena Began Eden. And also, breakfast is sponsored by Nisim Harbon, dedicated in honor of his wife Grace. Hashem uh, is so kind to us. He's so kind to us. You know, when a person does a sin, you make a mistake. So you think to yourself that, okay, I forgive the guy, but I don't forget. If the person comes to you and they, they borrowed money and they never paid you back, every time they told you, yeah, yeah, next week, a month from now, things are tight, I'm not liquid, I love that line. I'm not liquid, right? People say all the time, I'm not liquid, I say, I'll give it to you soon, I'll give it to you soon. You know what? Maybe you say to your guy, your wife, you know, Hazit, the guy is trying, I feel bad for him, I forgive him. But you don't forget. You'll remember the next time the guy comes to ask you for money, especially if he hasn't paid the debt back, what do you remember? Impossible. The guy, you still owe me money. I'm not going to lend you more money when you still owe me money. Except that every single year, what do we do to God? We have money on account with God. We owe him for all the averot that we did, we owe him for the mitzvot that we didn't do, and then we walk right back in and we say, can I borrow a little bit more credit? Could you add it to my account? And Borei Olam, when we pray, and we do teshuvah, doesn't only forgive, he forgets kaviyachot. Okay? He wipes it clean, as if the person never did it. Rabotai, I want to share something which I think is very, very important. Because, you know, it's a famous line that we say all the time, uteshuvah, Teshuvah, repentance. Tfilah, prayer. Tzedakah, kindness. They take away the evil of the decree. Now I want to ask a very interesting question. What does it mean? It takes away the evil of the decree. It should say, It takes off the decree. Means that you took away the bed of the decree, but the decree is still there. What does that mean? Very powerful question. Abutai, the answer I think is that there are times when a person has a gezerah on them. And something is not supposed, something bad is supposed to happen to them because of the mistakes that they made. Now, you know what? A lot of people can do teshuvah, but not all teshuvah was created. Equal. You have a car and I have a car. But I have a Honda and you have a Mercedes. I have a car and you have a car. They're not the same car. Maybe it's more comfortable. Maybe it drives faster. Maybe it has more miles per gallon. Maybe, 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 maybe. Okay? It's not the same thing. A person can do Teshuvah sometimes and the Roa HaGezerah could be taken off but there's still a Roshem, an impression of the Gezerah. And on that we have a very special prayer. And the prayer goes, we say to God, Ashremi she'amalo batorah. Praiseworthy is he whose struggle, whose toil is in the Torah. What does that mean, praiseworthy is he? We think literally it means that if a person has, he struggles in Torah, he's trying to understand something, he's trying to work on a Gemara. It's not just an easy class that the rabbi gave at breakfast like this. It's a deep idea you need to work on. Or even worse, it's an idea in Torah that you don't like. You're working on it. 
or it's a request from a misvah that you don't, you don't, you know, it's hard for you to do. Ashrei Misha Amalova Torah, that's the Roshim of the Gezerah. God says you need to suffer because you've done a terrible sin, that's how you're going to rectify, you're going to clean your Nishama. But there's a possibility of taking away the Roah Gezerah, the evil of the decree, the bad of the decree, and having the decree play out in a very simple and a very nice way. Can I give you a very simple example? Imagine somebody's supposed to lose $1,000. Where's that $1,000 supposed to go? Rahit. Burned. Because you know what? He earned that money maybe in an inappropriate way. I had someone once, he came to me, he said, Rabbi, I'd like to donate to your charity, to Chazak, 3,782 pounds. So I'm thinking in my head, Gematria what? You know, I don't know of any Gematria. I'm thinking maybe him, his wife, all of his kids. I'm not sure what is 3,800, 3,721. Once I gave this uh, class once, this talk once, uh, and I was, uh, I was speaking over and I said over this example. And I had some rabbi over there who was amazing at Gematria. And I knew it was so, I'm for sure going to get an for this. So I said over this thing, I said, what's 3,721? Had that sitting there thinking, going over Pesukim. He's juggling numbers in his head. Meanwhile, there was no... What was it? He made an investment that he shouldn't have made. It wasn't right. The dividend check that he got off of that investment was $3,721. So he felt bad that he shouldn't have got it. There's no way to return the money. So what did he do? He says, I'll give it to Siddhaka. So he says, I'm giving you 3,000. Hazit, the guy, he looked so disappointed. He had like four answers for me lined up. <laughs> and they were all wrong. Okay, what was it? The guy, he got it wrong. So if I'm supposed to lose that 1,000, I could lose it, right? Because I'm, uh, the money gets lost. Or if I give that 1,000 to Siddhaka, a Siddhaka that maybe I didn't think of or whatever, that's also me losing it. That's Ma'avirin et roa. I could fulfill the Gezerah not only in a way which is nice, which is comfortable, I could fulfill that Gezerah in a way that I get credit for. So Rabotai, when we say these words, I think there's multiple explanations for it. And I want to give you one version of this. And I think that this is a real game changer. And it's obvious once you know it, like everything. You know when people tell you that? It's obvious. It's obvious because I just told you, honey. And so yeah, it's so emet that it rings true. So you're like, oh, that's obvious. But you didn't think about that before. Listen to this, and this is magnificent. There was a rabbi who was in charge of an old age home. Everybody there is 80, 90, 100 years old. And the rabbi used to run a minyan there, used to do some classes. But also one of the things he did was he would go around visiting all the elderly people, the sick people in the home. And they would give them, lend them an ear, you know, if they had troubles or they were upset that the daughter didn't call them or whatever. He would sit and he would take care of them with beautiful little uh, nishama the guy had. One day he walks into a room and there's an elderly man and he's very unwell. And the man is crying and he's very upset. And the rabbi says, what's the matter? And the guy says, rabbi, you're so kind. I love you. He says, but there's nothing you can do. There's no point in me even telling it. The guy says, listen, I know you feel that way, but the pasuk says, When a person has worry in his heart, he should speak it over. 
Of course, if he's worried about something and he feels uh, scared about something, he should make sure that he's not saying it over to someone who's going to report him to the FBI. But, but if a person has worry in his heart, he should speak it over with someone. Why? Because that divides it. It's now held, the problem is now held by two people. Of course you should be careful with who you entrust your secrets to. Uh, obviously joking about doing something that's criminal. But what happens if someone is having trouble in his marriage? You tell it to the wrong guy, guy now has a good piece of juice. He goes and he tells everyone because now he feels good. He's got the inside scoop on somebody that everybody loves. I have a problem with my kid. They're throwing him out of school. What is the guy he brings it up next time in conversation? Oh, I heard this guy's kid's getting thrown out. And now it becomes a thing. So of course it should be loyal, but split it. He said, he sp- speak to someone. He said, maybe he'll split the pain. And the guy says, you know what, Rabbi, you're right. Let me tell you. He says, when I first came to this country as a young man, maybe 60 years ago, I got a little piece of land in the Moshav, in one of the areas outside of Jerusalem. And he says that when they divided up the land, everybody bought a piece. I noticed that my neighbor's land was a little bit bigger than mine. He says, and I felt jealous about it. But bottom line, they divided up the land prop, you know, the way it was. And this was the land I bought. And that was his. He says, but I couldn't get over it. Because we paid the same. And even though legally it was his, it ate me up inside, the jealousy. What I do, he said, every week on Saturday night, I would go outside. I would move the stone, that cornerstone, the, stone, the marker, I'd move it 10 centimeters. Second week, 20. 30, 40, 50, 60. Each time it was so little that the guy didn't pay attention until he said, I'd move the stone a meter and a half. Okay? A meter and a half is how many? How many centimeters for us Americans? No, how many, how many centimeters? 150 centimeters. That means if he's moving at 10, 15 Shabbats in a row he does this. For two and a half months, okay? Ya'ani, listen to this now. Listen to this. A foot and a half. But it's across the whole length of his property. Square footage, that's Salah. He says, and no, you know what? After that, it was, the land was equal. I'm done, not a foot and a half, sorry. Uh, a meter and a half, which is four, which is four and, four and no, six feet. Five and a half, five, right? Five and a half, yeah. Whatever, okay? No, it's exactly four and a half, what am I saying? What am I saying? Four and a half feet. An extra Hazakabaruch for not correcting me when I went the wrong number. <laughs> that was beautiful, by the way. He's like, okay, let the rabbi go. You don't know what he's talking about. This is why the rabbi is not in real estate, right? Okay, fine. Yes, yeah, a six-foot property. <laughs> no, rabbi. Okay, listen to this, okay? I worry about a different real estate. Okay, now listen to this. He says to the, guy, to the rabbi, I feel terribly guilty. The doctor just told me, he says, I have weeks to live. He says, and I've made my peace with everything that I've done in my life. I've asked forgiveness. I've fixed the problems. He says, but there's one thing that I know that I lived with my family in this piece of land for years. Every single minute I'm living on the spot, using it, I'm stealing. So he says, so why don't you go make good? Is the guy dead? He says, I don't know if the guy's dead. He says, Rabbi, it's so long ago and I'm so old. He says, I forgot not only the name of the guy, I have his face in front of me every night when I go to sleep. It's haunting me. But I forgot the guy, I don't know his name. And not only that, he says, I don't even know, I don't even remember where we lived. 
what the name of the moshav was. The guy, uh, you know, I imagine the rabbi's thinking in his head, you know, you have kids. Why don't you ask your kids? But probably he was too humiliated to tell his kids that thought of him like this, that he's now going to move, that he moved and he literally with his hands stole someone's property. And then he never got mehila. I don't know, I'm guessing. The rabbi feels the guy's pain. He knows he's got only a few weeks left on earth. He says to him, listen, I don't know what to advise you. But he says, but I'll tell you this. You can pray to HaKadosh Baruch Hu for many different things. Now, a lot of people, they pray, you know, that uh, they should have Parnassah. Or they pray that their health should get better. He says, why don't you pray that you should meet this guy? He says, Rabbi, I only have a couple few weeks left. He says, it's not a problem for God. Just pray. Pray that you should be able to meet him. Wow. The guy says, okay. And while the tears are running down his face, he's praying to Hashem that he should meet this guy who he doesn't remember from a town he doesn't remember. Rabotai, it's not two weeks later. There's a knock at the door of his room. He opens the door, this guy, and who's standing outside? His neighbor from a hundred years ago. He almost has a heart attack and dies on the spot. But that would ruin the story, right? <laughs> he is standing there at the door. He can't even breathe. He throws his arms around him. How are you doing? I can't believe it. It's so good that you came. He says, did the rabbi send you? The guy says, no, what rabbi? He says, did someone, did one of my kids contact you, tell you to come? He says, no. The man, he can't believe it. He's finding it hard to breathe that God answered his prayers. He says, how did you get to my room then? He says, I'll tell you the truth. I was invited to a wedding. And I go sit at the wedding. I'm looking for a table of all the oldies, you know, where I could sit and feel comfortable. And, but they put me on a table with all young people. And all of them prattling on about this stupid thing and that stupid thing. You know what? When a person gets older, like he says that you know, you don't care about this suit, that suit, going on about this scotch, that steak, these clothes. You don't care. It's just stupid talk. You know already, life has taught you that that's not important. He says, the one thing that I kept hearing was this guy, they kept calling him, let's say the guy is not his name, I'm making it up, but it was a unique name. He says, let's say his name was Alefandri. Someone kept saying, Rabbi Alefandri, pass me the tahine, pass me the hummus, Rabbi. Could you, Rabbi Alefandri, do you want the pickles? And he says, I hadn't heard your name in decades. So I turned to this rabbi, this guy that kept calling rabbi, and I said, did your father live in this moshav? And he said, yes. He says, you know, I'm this and this fellow. I used to live right next to him. And the guy says, oh, that's amazing. He says, is your father still amongst the living? He says, yes, actually, you won't believe it. He lives only a couple blocks away. He's in the old age home. The man says, I'm sitting there. All the conversation is boring. And like every old guy, he says, the music was too loud, right? I just, I thought to myself, if I could get out of here for a few minutes, I'll take the chance. So I came to visit you to say hello. The man smiles, he's crying, but a smile on his face. He says, you didn't come to say hello. Says, what do you mean you didn't come to say hello? He says, you didn't come to visit me. He says, why did, why did I come? He says, you came to give me kapara. Wow. Years and years ago, he says, when they first gave out the pieces of land, and I sat there every Saturday night, I was jealous. So when you didn't know, I moved the rock, and then I moved the rock, and then I moved the rock. 
And now I've been sitting in bed wondering how to make Teshuvah. And the rabbi here told me, the rabbi asked you about that I should pray to get to meet you. Unbelievable that God sent you to the wedding. Unbelievable that God sat you at the table. Unbelievable that everybody wanted tahina and hummus and asked the guy by his formal name instead of like we all say, hey you, pass me the hummus. But here you are. Please, I beg of you. The man sees tears. He sees regret. He hears that his friend is about to pass away and he gives him mechila, slicha v'chapara. Sometimes it's not the prayer that removes the gezerah, it's rather the prayer that allows the person the opportunity for the teshuvah to be able to remove the gezerah. Rabotai, we pray all the time for physical things, but we forget to pray for spiritual things. Now, if you are, like I said, you're going to think it's obvious. When was the last time? Do you pray to do a mitzvah? When was the last time you prayed to learn Torah? You think, I pray to Hashem, and then if I want, I learn Torah. But did you pray? Now that sounds obvious once you hear it. Because if you open up the book, the whole of the prayer is full of it. Open up our eyes. Right? What do we say all the time? We ask Hashem, take away from me my 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 bad friends. You know, we're asking all the time for spiritual things. But to pray to do teshuvah, we ask God these prayers. We have to realize all the time that these words of our prayers are very powerful, but they're even more powerful when we're asking God. Let's say you go to your friend and you say to your friend, do me a favor, I want to borrow your house for a year. Big ask. You don't want to say yes, right? What happens if you ask your friend, you say, Mechila, I want to help your son get a job. So uh, could I borrow your phone? Is a guy going to lend you his phone so that you could help him? Of course. I want you to hear this pasuk now with fresh ears. The pasuk says, we say it every day, at least twice. Ritzon, Yire'av, Ya'aseh. The will of Yire'av, of the ones who fear him. Ya'aseh, God does. And their cries, their entreaty, their prayers. He listens to and he brings salvation. I always say that people think it means the will of the ones who fear him, Hashem does. And that is true, no question. But maybe a deeper understanding is when someone's actions, his desire, comes from the fact that he's called a yareh. In the desire, the desire comes from a place of Yirat Shamayim. When he's asking Hashem, please send me someone who's going to that funeral. Please send me someone. I need someone who's going to go to this wedding because you know what? I know that if I don't go, the person's going to feel upset that I didn't turn up. But just because you want it, just because you want to do the mitzvah, sometimes it's not enough. But their request, their entreaty, their ask, did you ever ask God, Hashem, please allow me the zikhut to give tzedakah? Right? Allow me the zikhut of doing bikur cholim. You know, we think that that's a separate thing to our tefillah. But that's the true ritzon yireav. Like it says in Masechet Avot, Make his will like yours. That's ritzon, the true ritzon yireav yaseh. May God bless us not only that our tefillot are answered, but may God bless us 
to choose to say the right tefillot, to pray not only for health and wealth and spirituality, but to pray for great things. I'm on a rabbi's chat, Rabbi and someone said, you know, uh, I wish you a meaningful fast. And someone else responded, you know, you always hear people say, have an easy fast. And the person wrote, oh, ugh, like yuck, easy fast. That's what Kippur is about. The Pasuk says, and you shall, in effect it means, cause your nefesh to suffer. You should almost afflict yourself. Why are we wishing an easy fast if the Torah says, so I wrote back on the group, I said, don't judge Jews harshly. You know, like the Gemara always says, if they are not prophets, they're the children of prophets. You know why Jews say have an easy fast? Because the Pasuk says, on the day of Kippur, we're supposed to be a neshama. We're not supposed to be a nefesh. Nefesh is a person's desires. Im if you want, do this. Nefesh ki techeta. When a desire, this, the animating power of a person draws him to sin. means you should afflict your nefesh, your desires. Take your desires away. You know what that does? It brings out and it makes the point about the neshama. So when we wish someone an easy fast, and we have two coming up in just a, in less than a week, in about a week, what we mean is, have an easy fast, it should be easy for you to fast. May you be and feel like a nishama when that's not something that's bothering you. And I think, Rabotai, that's why on Rosh Hashanah, we don't make a single ask in all of the prayers. Because we are nishamot on this day, and we are recognizing and recalibrating once again to say that Boreh Olam, you are the king. And calling God the king is not just something that we say with our mouths, it's something that we do with all of our deeds. We say, what if God was the king? What if he was the one that was dictating to me every move in my life, like he does in the Torah? What if that's how I thought? What if that's how I lived? What if that's how I spoke? What things wouldn't I say? What things wouldn't I do? What things wouldn't I spend money on? And conversely, what things would I do? What things would I say? What things would I spend my money on? What would drive me in that and from that perspective? May I bless you all with an easy holiday. It shouldn't feel long, because in there you should feel alive. Bezrat Hashem. I bless you on Yom Kippur. Bezrat Hashem, that you should feel not even one little stitch of hunger, because your brain is otherwise occupied. May I bless you, Bezrat Hashem, that we should all be zocher to a shana, tova, umivorechet, Shabbat Shalom. Please, Rabotai, Friday, right before Rosh Shana, stay for the extra Torah with Rabbi Friedman. Azaku Baruch.